Last week, we decided the Avs would get an intro again when they deserve one. Uh, this week, they scored five goals in three games and lost all of them. So, nope, not this week. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph House, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for December 19th, 2016. Coming up on the show, a week without Varley, and which defensemen are stepping up to fill Eric Johnson's shoes, and what in the world do we do with the rest of this season? But before we put the whoosh, as always, I'm joined by Earl Osix. Hey, Earl. Good evening. And Ryan Murphy. Hey, Ryan. Howdy. And welcome back to Mile High Hockey's trigonometry expert. It's Mike at MHH. What's up, Mike? Not much. So let's do it. On Wednesday, Avs lose to the Flyers 4-3 with Matt Duchesne scoring twice and Rene Bork once. And on Friday, Avs lose again to the Panthers 3-1, your only goal coming from Richard Trophy candidate Fedor Tutin. And on Sunday, Avs also lose to the Jets 3-1 with Jerome McGinley getting the only Avs tally on a last three-minute six-on-four. So that it was, was actually 4-1, was wasn't it? 4-1? Was oh, yeah, they got the empty netter. I turned it off before yeah. the empty netter because I was trying to write this and so forth. Uh, so, no Varley all week. Do we blame Pickard? I'm not pretty today. sure we're blaming Varley, right? Oh. Yeah, let's blame Varley for not playing. There you go. <laughs> what a lazy bomb. After those 51 saves uh, last Sunday, you know, he was a little tired. Yeah, I bet his groin looked like shredded newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's the same. I mean, you guys know my opinion on this. It's not a Varley problem. Yes, he's had weak games. Yes, he's had weak goals. But changing of the guard behind him is not, or, you know, with Pickard is not going to solve the ills of this team. And as we get a longer look at Pickard, the small sample size starts to work itself out. And we see the same things happening when he's in net as when Varley is. No goal support, inconsistent defense, and several what the fuck moments scattered over a week. Several, like, this team gives up so many odd-man rushes. I don't even know where to begin. And the turnovers. It's just insane. How can, I, I, I just don't understand how NHL players can turn the puck over this much. I mean, you don't even see that in the AHL. Yeah, right now they're thinking about something right now that they're not executing. Yeah. And it's clear to see on the ice every night. I mean, they're being coached something that's not being performed. Yeah, when I've seen, you know, the Rampage or the Monsters start really turning the puck over, I, I mean, some of it is lack of skill, but in general, it's it's sort of a confidence or focus issue. And I, I think that's definitely what we're seeing right now. I think the most telling one, and maybe just because it's fresh in my mind, is Grigorinko skating right into a defender, losing the puck. I mean, he's the, you know, the center, you know, taking the puck from a defenseman, you know, from the blue line. I mean, this is the, the after the first pass. I mean, I, I don't know how he doesn't make that second pass before he runs into a defender. He had room to do it, and he just simply didn't. Maybe and he just they got wanted a hug. You, know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, it led directly to the third goal that, you know. I have a theory. You're not going to like it. Uh-huh. He's trying to get concussed so he can miss significant time for this team. <laughs> <laughs> Collect that paycheck? Yep. He gets to sit in a dark, quiet room. He doesn't He's have to in a contract. Questions. Yeah, I mean, he's the one player on the avalanche that should not be giving up this year. He's got a lot of money to earn or lose. 
That's how yeah. bad it is, guys. That's how bad it is. I mean, his career is riding on the next 50 games, so... Oh, come yeah. on. He'll land on a K team like it's no problem. Yeah, but I think he... I mean, he, he married a North American. I mean, I think he likes it here. I don't think he wants to go back to Russia at all. I want to make a Trump joke right now, but I'll abstain. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I mean, you can make the, the Tyson Berry argument that he signed his big fat contract and now he's just fine playing crappy for the next three years until it's it's another contract year. But I mean, he's I, only I signed that. one year, one year. <laughs> he's restricted free agents, so the Avalanche have control over him for more than one year. But I mean, he's only getting guaranteed to be paid through this season. I don't. I mean, we talked about this right after the deal went to arbitration with him, though. It was historically, even with the slight massaging of personnel in the front office that we've seen over the last six to eight years, guys that go to arbitration with this franchise don't stick with this franchise very long. Okay, now, now I think we're talking about two different guys at the same time. Who's talking about Barry and who's talking about Grigorenko? I'm talking about Barry now. Yeah, yeah that's a more interesting topic, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, we've 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 established now. Grigorenko's trying to get himself killed, so we've moved on to Barry. <laughs> it's fact. Yeah, it's, it's always easy to argue that the guy who just got a big uh, big payday is now mailing it in because he doesn't have the same motivation he had before. Um, but it's not like that's not a thing. We see it around the league every year. Yeah, you see guys mailing it in after big contracts. Do you not? Well, in Avs uniforms, yes. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm naive about this, but I, I think Tyson signed that big contract and he wanted to come and prove that he's more than just, you know, a, a scorer that can't play defense. And the, the problems we're seeing now are his problems as he learns to be a two-way defenseman. Oh, I want to make it clear that I'm not accusing Tyson Berry of mailing it in. I'm just saying it's an easy argument to make. It's too yeah. easy. It's simplistic. Yeah. It's got to be more complicated than that. I mean, what the way he played that idiotic two-on-one today, I mean, that's not mailing it in. That's just not reading the play or, or not knowing what to do or knowing what to do and not doing it. Yeah, and that's something that I've noticed that's very different this year than years past in that the Avalanche always took the passing lane away on you know odd man rushes. They let the goalie try to make the save, <laughs> and more often than not, you know, they do, because it wasn't a great shooting lane. Right now, they're not taking either away. Yeah. I mean, and it happens a lot, so they should have a lot of practice. <laughs> they should. There's plenty of film to study. But, I, I mean, I can, you know, I can see you, you've got two tremendously skilled players coming down like that. But, it, you know, as, as Riker broke it down, you could see that Landeskog was probably going to catch up with Sheafley before... You know, a, a really huge shot was going to happen. So, doing anything but covering the guy who's got the hardest shot in the league just seems silly. Right. But he chose to stand in the middle and try and look big. Lionel looks pretty and, good, doesn't he? And and not cover the shot and not cover the pass and. Yeah. yeah. He was covering the rebound. That was about it. <laughs> he was there clear out. You bet. You guys get it. <laughs> yeah, how good does Lionel look? I mean, that would have been a nice draft pick to have this upcoming year. Yeah, right? Yeah. Shout out to Winnipeg for winning the lottery into that one. Yep. I mean, 
That's the exact type of player the Avalanche need on this team. A distributor? Finisher. <laughs> Another one? <laughs> a redistributor? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that, that was, that's been a resounding topic this week, too, is about playmaking or hockey smarts on the yeah. team being lackluster at best. But it's always been as an open door to start beating on the Stasny O'Reilly horse, too. So take that with a grain of salt. I mean, I think the team has some good playmakers. I, I, there's just not a lot of finishers. Yeah, that's why everyone's pointing out that Duchesne's point totals are kind of not important when he keeps feeding the rock to people and people miss the net by four feet. Or yeah. don't even take a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or take I mean, five seconds to take a shot that should take one second. He's there's a reason he's, too. Yeah, there's a reason he's shooting more it's because <laughs> what else is he going to do? Yeah. Yeah, no one bothers to get open, and it's it's really troubling a lot of times. You just see guys that are not moving very fast with a defender right in front of them, and you're just like, I mean, what are you, hiding? I mean, you know, you're trying to get open. <laughs> you see them on the power play, like, egregiously. You see dudes just kind of yeah. standing around in the general vicinity of the goal line, just like, well, if the puck comes over here, I am ready. Or Aginla. Aginla won't take a feed from anyone that's not at the point. Um, you know, it's that umbrella guy is the only guy that he can take a pass from, or, you know, in the very rare case that the defense is dumb enough to leave the middle wide open, you can get it from the other wing, but you know, it's just, by the time it gets to Iggy, the, the goalie just wanders over and says, let me have it. Yep. You know, and you could see this, uh, I forget what game it is right now, but when Duchesne, you know, threw that behind the back pass to Rantanen who scored. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Duchesne has vision for these types of plays that other players are not giving him the opportunity to execute. Well, but the I key mean, to that play, besides Duchesne's nasty little behind the back pass, was Rantanen was where he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He hadn't bought a ticket high in the zone to see what happened. He knew he was supposed to be down low and he was there. Duchesne may never have even looked to see if he was there. He just knew someone was supposed to be there. there. Yeah. Yeah, he's the weak side wing and he was wide open. I mean, that's the one guy you can't cover on a power play. And it's, you know, you should always be thinking, all right, who's not open? I mean, who's who's not covered at all? It's always this guy. And he's probably ready for the puck. And that play's possible because Duchesne is in the middle of everything. You know, he's driving to the slot and, you know, he drew the entire defense in. I mean, he, there was someone else standing next to him who he basically took the puck from. Yeah, that that bad. Was Back. Who was it? I think it was Iggy. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> Iggy's probably whacking away at it like he's going to somehow force the puck physically through the goalie's chest. Yeah. And Duchesne's like, I, no, let me try something different. But, I think that was the Toronto game. Yeah, that's what I'm remembering. Yeah. Goalie with the weird name. Weird name? When, oh, no, they, they started Bebo. You're right. Yeah. I was like, what's weird about Anderson? But no, they started Bebo. No, it's, yeah, Bebo, and he had the Potvin mask. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Nerded it up there. Sorry. Speaking of, of goalie masks, um, have you guys seen Spencer Martins? Yeah, I, so. I wasn't aware he had a mask. Does he play goalie for this organization? <laughs> they uh, they told us 
in, in a little feature during the game on Friday, I think, that he designed his own mask, and I thought that was pretty cool. He not that just designed cool. it, he drew it. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I've seen that. It was on, uh, it was one of the altitude features in the middle of the game, and I only happened to catch it because they were playing Florida, and Florida's team is very boring. I'd rather listen to altitude and deal with that. But I thought that was cool. I just wanted to share what I'd heard. Yeah. That's cool. That's And he doesn't use that mask down in, in San Antonio either. I hadn't seen that. Is this, this one with the Colorado flag on the sides? No, it's like hand-drawn. It's like, I don't know, there's like... It looks it, too. It's like black and white and looks like it's been done in just pencil and paper. It looks really cool. Yeah. It's super different. Yeah. Um... But, oh, I got it now. Yeah, I see it. That is pretty sweet. So, Spencer Martin, whenever you're ready to play some goal, we are, we are ready to uh, enjoy your mask. He was almost ready today. Did you guys see that? His skates did touch the ice. They did. I mean, Picker took a shot to the gut and must have been right in between a pad, and he was hurting for a bit. Martin was ready to go, man. He was getting ready to pull that mask over his eyes. Yeah, Mike, you have any insight on what happened to Picker today? Did you, did you see that part? No. He, he caught a puck kind of randomly, like, this looked like he just hit him in the torso someplace, and then he was like, it act, act like he'd been winded or something. He could have. I mean, the way the, it depends on how Pickard wears his chest protector, but a lot of those belly flaps, they can shift around, and it's arguably one of the thinner areas on a chest protector just because of the mobility required. But if it flipped up or slid out and it hit, you know, it's all se- uh, segregated pad chunks, so if it hit right on a joint, I mean, it's basically nylon between you and the puck, so if it caught him flush and it had a rib behind it, that would suck, <laughs> speaking from personal experience. so Because yeah, the, the, the play started heading up ice in front of him, he, he just stayed down and then kind of hunched over, just like, ooh, buddy, and then the, they stopped play for him. It wasn't in the biscuits, though. No, it was oh, much okay. higher, much higher than that. Okay. It wasn't a double cup shatter or anything like that. And, and Mike, that kind of brings up something I wanted to talk to you about. We were talking this week about uh, Lundqvist getting run and why goalies can't get hit uh, because the the equipment doesn't it isn't designed to take hits. And I was I wanted to get your take on that. Why why that is? What is it about equipment for goalies that that doesn't work when you get hit? Well, the Two big things are the mask and the chest protector. So a regular skater's wearing a shoulder pad slash torso coverage that, you know, covers over the chest, a portion of the back, and then it's got the hard shoulder caps and sometimes little piece flaps that come down over the bicep area that then overlap with the elbow protection. So their their arms are pretty much covered from shoulder to wrist, and then the gloves handle it from there. Uh, their shoulders are covered right up to their neckline, and... They've got uh, something around the entire front and back of the upper part of their torso. Uh, a chest protector has the shoulder flaps that a goalie, that are the floaters that everyone's bitching about size-wise, and then it's all the padding faces out towards the, where a shooter would be. There's really never hardly anything on the back side of the arm. There's very little on the back side of the uh, the back area. It's you know it's just a strap or two that. So you have something physically to put over your head. And then 
there's gaps in it uh, to adjust the floaters. The floaters are almost always high-density polyethylene. They're never a, a, a plastic cap because uh, that's not something you really want to have between you and a puck that shot at 100 miles an hour because those things shatter. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the issue with the, the chest protectors. The shoulder protection is completely different, and it's got huge gaps on the backside. Basically, from the top of the shoulder blade back, there's nothing. So if you were going to try to receive a check shoulder to shoulder like 99% of players would, that would end badly. Uh, the big one for me has always been, and I think anybody who knows anything about goalie masks will tell you, the modern mask that goalies wear that's, you know, the, the coolest part of the equipment <laughs> is designed to stop pucks shot directly at your face area. It's angled, it's contours, the cage, everything is designed to shed force to the sides of your head and back. You can take most modern goalie masks in your hands press them side to side, and you can make them move. There's no resistance there. There's no back plate. The back plate completely floats, the one that you see with you know kids' initials on and tributes to their wives and fallen heroes. That's a separate piece of plastic that just floats in straps suspended from the back of the mask. So there's little to no coverage on the back of the head. The only thing that back plate does is you know, protect the back of your skull if you bounce your head on the ice at a relatively low speed. It's not anything that's going to stop you from taking a, a hit to the head, uh, you know, from a shoulder check or, or getting run. And it's definitely not something that's going to prevent an injury if you got slammed into the boards, you know, facing outward. So the mask is designed to stop projectiles at high velocity coming directly into your line of sight. It, the side protection is lacking. The back protection is lacking. There's nothing that would distribute uh, force to the sides of the head from a shot from either side of the head, a shot being a check. So there's the load path is designed very specifically for pucks coming from the front of the goalie. There's really nothing there for anything else. So yeah. tell me this. I mean, is the game better because goalies can play the puck behind the net? In my opinion, I believe it is because it allows – the, the guys that have that skill set to provide an asset to their team that can contribute on the offensive side of the puck. So here's part two of that question. Should there be some risk involved when they do so? I would argue that there's already risk. Uh, risk in being scored on, not a physical risk. Mm. I don't see why there wouldn't be. I, I'm Again, I, I don't see... Guys get trapped behind the net now, and there's empty net goals given up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to identify what should the consequence be if you can't get, you know, forechecked like an, a regular hockey player. There's nothing that prevents them from being forechecked. I mean, you see guys, what Eakins was trying to do was to take away the wall wrap from Lundquist. Mm-hmm. He was forechecking. That was forechecking. He just made a decision that he wasn't going to pull up on the wall. <laughs> he was going to obliterate <laughs> <laughs> this extremely handsome man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there nothing prevented Eakins from forechecking. No one says, "Oh, the goalie's got the puck, clear the zone." Right, and that's not what happens. It's just you can't physically lay the guy out. You have to play positional forechecking, take away options, force plays to where you don't want them. And, yeah. and the way that play shook out is Lundqvist. Got to the puck, looked up, had his backhand option, and decided he was going to go through the resistance of Eakins to his forehand option. 
assuming Eakins would not try to decapitate him. Yeah. <laughs> he assumed wrong. He assumed wrong. And in order to like make it safe for a goalie to be a uh, an eligible target to hit, you'd have to rework the equipment so much that playing the position would be di- m- much more difficult. I mean, you can make you can make a case that if you went to you know the free game concept on goalies, that you could put them in a mask, a combo mask, like Hoshik used to wear, or maybe something along the lines of what Timmy Thomas was doing for a while. That's a one piece mask that has a cage on the front that has the back ahead and side protection that's kind of, you know, similar to what a player wears. That would mitigate some of the head problems. Heavier, more unwieldy. It's a little heavier. Uh, There's trade-offs, obviously, just like any protective equipment. You know, if we're talking about improving the chest protector, you're adding more layers to the shoulder, which is one of the beefs that everyone has about modern chest protectors, that they're bulky and oversized for no reason. So, uh, to me, that's, that's a... That's a lose-lose situation. You're, you're going to have the purists who are saying the guys look like stay puff guys, and that's why we can't score goals. So then you're going to have the people saying, well, how the hell are they supposed to protect themselves? So it's – well, The, the protection on the back is what really – I yeah. mean, that's really scary. Yeah, I mean, if I turn my back <laughs> to a goal – like when I play – this is barely a guy talking now, obviously, but I, I make it a point to never turn my back to people when I'm on the ice during warm-ups – intermissions i skate backwards away from my own bench just in case somebody does something stupid i mean it's there's literally nothing on the back of my body for like 90 percent of it there's nothing on the chest protector other than just straps holding things in place there's little to no protection on my backside there's nothing on the back of my legs i mean the back of a goalie is pretty bare like you even catch a cross check in the back and you're in kidney surgery yeah you're gonna be pissing blood I mean, that's just what there is. That's just the truth. And to me, between the safety aspects, which maybe you could mitigate with equipment, but you're opening up that Pandora's box of equipment sizing for a reason that's not goalie related, in my opinion. If you could jump that hurdle, the second thing I'd talk about is we saw Egan, Egan, excuse me, almost kill that gorgeous, gorgeous human being. (laughs) And that was an illegal play. Yeah. So what are we going to see? How how prepared are we to have goalies on the IR for getting run legally? Right. Now we you've opened up that. another. Yeah, you've you've added another layer of interpretation to the on ice official. Was that a good hit? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because the goalie was trying to play the puck, or you know, you, to me that uh, the cons far outweigh the pros. We all know we don't want uh, referees making interpretations on the ice, do we? No. No. <laughs> yeah, that's just that. You've got the concussion spotters, and this is what happened with Lundqvist. He had to right. go off the ice, and the, and the backup had to come in cold. And that actually happened earlier this year with Lundqvist, I think. And the backup let in a couple of goals, or it was something – it was – it was something like the concussion spotter took the goalie out, the backup came in, let in a couple of goals, and then the starter came back within five, six minutes. Right. And, you know, I realize that it's a good thing to have the concussion spotters and all that, but it's like the more you open up goalies to getting hit like that, the more you're going to have situations like that. And I, I just I don't I don't like that part of the game. I don't think that you know if you end up winning because of that kind of situation, I mean that's that's garbage. I mean, to me, with a conversation I had with one of the, the hockey laymen in my world who doesn't know a lot about the sport, was like, it's a very specialized position. The equipment, obviously, has been tailored for that position. It, 
it, to me, it'd be like telling a catcher he, he couldn't field ground balls because, I mean, that's an integral part of the defense in baseball, but that's not what the catcher's there to do. He's there to catch pitches. Right, but, but it, right now we're not trying to increase scoring in baseball. That's true. <laughs> Which we are I, in and hockey. I get that. And, but uh, I, I think the trade-off of the injury potential, and I could just see Steve Ott literally killing a guy. Well, uh, wouldn't, you, wouldn't it behoove you to stay in your net if you were you know, subject to such a hit? Well, what if I'm going to try to draw that penalty because I know Steve Ott has the brain of a you know, peacock. <laughs> I, you better have the good equipment, to, right? Right. So, I mean, it's, it's risk-reward. It just depends on your flavor. Yeah. But also having the goalie being able to play the puck behind the net or even like coming, you know, we saw Calvin today come out sort of near the circles and then make a feed to a guy that was in the neutral zone. If you use that, that's actually going to slow the game down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I, that's my side on it is it makes the game much easier from a spectator perspective to watch when, when a, a dump in or, or like when, when you accidentally rim it around to nobody and it goes all the way back into your own zone, you already have to sit there and wait for an hour for the team to regroup and the goalie to get the puck to somebody. And now imagine you have to wait for someone to go pluck it out of the end zone. Like, right. Right. So let's, I mean, think about our last batch of massive rule changes. I mean, we talked about the, the, the way icing is whistled differently now. And part of the reason they do that is to speed up the game. So yeah. now you're going to take away the goalie's ability to play those soft dumps that don't quite make it to the corner or, or set it up at least so that a defenseman can just swing through and he's not scraping, you know, six minutes of snow as he tries to pick up a puck on along the corner. So you're trying to increase the probability of a quick transition back to an offensive possession. And that's huge in overtime with three, right. three because the goalie in effect becomes a defenseman at times. I mean, I've seen, you know, the, they pass it back to the goalie so they can get a change kind of thing, and the goalie messes around, and, and once the guys get back on the ice, he's able to pass it out. I'm yeah, glad you brought that up, actually. That, I think that's The goalie like the stretch pass is a, you know, it's a rare animal, but it is exciting when it happens. Well, I, I think, think that's that, the next I mean, big a, development in three-on-three in three yeah. overtime is the goalie already, that can really play the puck. Yeah, I mean, Spencer Martin's really good at playing the puck. I mean, he's, you know, he's probably around picks level, maybe, you know, probably a little bit better. They'll beat it out of him. He's on the Avalanche organization. They'll beat it yeah, out of him. You know that, that's one of my gripes with Varley. He's just so pathetic playing the puck um, that it, it just it really hurts the team in certain cases. And yet, it, you know, I, I guess it's just impossible for him to learn that at his age. But you know, I like seeing goalies that are able to you know start a breakout pass. I Can think you guys really confirm something thing. for me? I think. Uh, forgive me, but was it? Almost until the third period or halfway through the second period today, where the Avalanche had their first offensive faceoff. <laughs> uh, that that doesn't seem right. <clears throat> I know, but I was going through the stats and I wasn't paying enough attention while I was watching it, and everybody was at zero percent. And even at the end of the game, like the high is only twenty five percent for zone starts for offensive zone starts. Hmm. Might have been five v five because there's definitely power plays. Sure, I mean five v five. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's five v five. But I mean, there weren't a lot of whistles. I mean, other than you know, there there weren't. It was a pretty fast paced game, so that you know that might just be there weren't a lot well, of face offs in general, or they were all in the neutral zone. There well, definitely LH weren't a lot had, of face offs for a while in the first period. There was a lot of just 
you have the puck in the neutral zone. No, you have the puck in the neutral zone. No, yeah. no, you. Well, check this out. I mean, Wheeler, Ellers, and Lina all had 100% zone starts 5v5 today. Oh. Huh. <laughs> According to hockey stats right here, I'm checking, but... You know, and I can see that with Line because I know they don't want him on defense. Sure. But, you know, I was trying to tie this back oh, into shit. goalies playing the puck, too. And I think the Avalanche have had a really difficult time with this over the last four years that I've been paying attention to it is they create themselves unnecessary defensive faceoffs all the time because they don't play the puck well. Yeah, the, the Varley cover is a symptom of that. I think you might be right. There were no Avalanche that had 50% of their uh, faceoffs taken in the offensive zone. Francois Boschman at the most with 40%, and then there's a few with 33. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's the Varley cover, um, but there's also there's a lot of times when people are lazy getting back, and Varley's sitting there like, get, 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 dude, come, you know, this guy's going to be on me, and I can't get rid of this puck, and I'm going to have to cover it. You know. So, Mike, tell me, when you're even playing beer league hockey, is that something you're thinking about is trying to avoid defensive zone faceoffs with how you're playing the puck? Yeah, I mean, there are guys in my my rotational league where I'll know that, you know, Scott couldn't win a face off if his baby's life was on the line. So <laughs> fucking when, Scott. When he's when Scott's on the ice, I'm I'm playing it into the back of the net, you know, behind the <laughs> net so so the defenseman can pick it up and or into the corner uh, as much as I can. Or I'm I'm punching rebounds back out uh, to a defenseman. I'm not gonna cover it if I don't have to. But yeah. And then That's there are some nights where we're dominating and I'll I'll try to freeze everything just because I'd rather get the reset and let us win it and have a better than 50% chance of getting it back out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're aware of it. There are some teams that are really against faceoffs. Like you watch Tampa Bay, like with Bishop in, in goal. Like, you know, first of all, he's a really good puck handler, but he also, like, he, you know, he will do everything in his power not to get a faceoff. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? The Avalanche are a good face-off team. I mean, we've discussed this, and we've also discussed the merits of that and whether or not it actually means something. But right, because they were owned on Friday. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't you try to be getting offensive zone face-offs if you're that good at getting them? Yeah, and that's something they, they are not good at doing. They'll, when guys will go in on those um, odd man rushes where they're the, the – the, defense has got more guys in the offense like on a change or something – our guys will dipsy doodle and they'll take the shot or they'll turn it over, but it's not a shot that they're looking for, you know, a whistle so that they can get a face off. They're trying to score, or, you know. It's I've seen Cody McLeod just launch stupid shots towards the net when he's the only one out there. I'm like, just give it to the goalie and then go forecheck him so he freezes it and let the guys who know what the fuck they're doing get back out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, finish the change and get the get the face off. Let's yeah. get a set play going here. And they don't do it. I mean, they he'll dipsy doodle, turn it over, and it's not just him. It's it's everybody. Soderbergh's been really bad about it this year too. You know, and, it's the entire bottom six. Yeah, they just been... like, hey, fuck it. And that should be their <laughs> primary job. <laughs> right, you drive it, right. force possession your way. But and I can't imagine Bednar's not telling them that stuff. I mean, it's basic hockey, is it not? Yeah, I mean it's maybe not basic. I mean it's a little. It's maybe intermediate level. You know, the next step up, you got to start thinking about the game as a whole and not as just specific situations. But so are the Avalanche at an immediate intermediate level? I'm not seeing it. Okay. I mean, I mean we're talking about fundamental 
stuff before the, we kicked off tonight, and there's stuff that they don't do. Like, two-on-ones is basic hockey. I mean, the truth is, is that hockey is almost always one-on-one and two-on-one situations. And the Avs are historically bad at doing it on both ends of the ice. They, they, just... don't, they don't support each other in any situation, and they tend to lose more battles than they win. And what's most, fr- most frustrating about that is that they were starting to actually provide some of that five-man support at the beginning of the year, and then something happened, and they, it just melted away. Yeah, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times. They, they're trying to catch up with the rest of the league, and they're playing like it's 2011 or so. You know, they're, they're doing things that might have worked back then, but they don't work anymore. I mean, the, you know, the... The dump in from the red line on the goalie. You should, you know, you used to be able to get a face off out of that. It's like every goalie now is just catching that, dropping it, and and giving it off to his D man. That doesn't work to get a face off. So, you know, you, you've got to earn that face off in the D zone if you're in the bottom six. And you know they're not doing that. They're just bopping it in there and, and going for a change. And the other team has a rush up the ice. So let's be clear here. Who's 2011 here? Is this uh, the coaching or is this the player? implementation <laughs> i think a lot of it's the players um i i don't know what to think about jb as far as a coach just because you know what what we you know what we've heard that maybe there isn't a, a lot of pressure to win this year um maybe he's just looking at this you know maybe maybe management is fine with him just doing what he can with what he's got and they're going to make some changes at some point you know, I mean, that's it's a lot of speculation. But you know, maybe he tried to get everybody doing what he wants. They didn't, and then he's like, "Well, what do I do now?" And they're like, "Don't worry about it." Do we think he's at risk of losing his job? I don't. I kind of hope not, uh, because he he's put into a pretty crap situation with not a whole lot of time to uh, to prepare and adjust to his new team over the summer and zero input into the roster apart from who gets PTO or not. Um, like, input as in, here's the kind of guys I want to play the, my style, not as in, sign this guy, not that guy. But, I'm, almost uh, sure, I'm almost sure we would have heard something like, you know, the management wasn't happy with him if they weren't. I mean, you just... I, it, it, and that would be the, just the most unfair thing in the world for the reasons you just lined out. It's he deserves at least two seasons because of the circumstances of his starting and the state of the roster when he got here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Plus, so that won't be so the case could, next year. We could put this to bed. Uh, my wife was just in here and she was like, "Oh my god!" So if they were to fire him after this year, they're stupider than we even think they are. <laughs> so yeah, I won't rule uh, it out. She has <laughs> zero emotional attachment to this year's team, so. She's about as, uh, I don't know, unbiased as you can get. So if the general hockey populace thinks the abs are stupid if they fired this guy, then i got to imagine the abs are stupid if they fire this guy. Well, I think the whole week would, would consider that just dumb as all get out because I mean, <laughs> it's just it's the most unfair thing ever. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like they picked up Barry Melrose and thought that was a great decision and fired him after 18 days kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, this this wasn't a joke. They, you know, they went through the process. Yeah, it was quick, and there wasn't a lot of guys available. But you know, this is a a good coach that was up and coming in the league, and it's a guy that's probably going to be an asset for your club. And I'm sure they signed him to like a three year contract. Sure. Um, So Uh, the missus' last point was they didn't even fire (laughs) Waugh. 
<laughs> and he had two seasons hey. of these guys that he had, you know, control, help decide who was on the team. So, yeah. Hey, Mike, can we uh, get your wife on the podcast next week? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, um, as as fun as it has been to talk about some stuff other than the Avalanche, now that we've now that we have brought it back, um, I, I do feel an obligation to ask you guys for your stars of the week. If you had anyone good to mention whatsoever, I'm I'm all ears. Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne. Dang it. <laughs> Better Tootin. What? Oh, Tootin had a, a bad day. He was minus two today, and almost oh, twenty minutes of ice time. How many people score goals anymore? Come on. Hey, Matt Duchesne. <laughs> five on five was minus 10 in shot, shot attempts. Two, oh. four, 12 against. And look who Two, four? Is. Jesus. Yeah. Look who's, and, he was with Barry all day. <laughs> yeah, hey, scratch, Barry. Okay, nearly, I get it. Scratches Tyson Barry. <laughs> yep. Um, scratches. I'm looking at the time on ice for today. It's a little horrifying on the blue line honestly almost 25 minutes for tyson he's had 25 minutes a game for the past three i know the lack of eric johnson has exposed a lot of problems again on this team talk for a minute why uh zadarov is not playing a lot right now well in that yesterday's game or the previous game it's because he doesn't play special teams and they're on special teams half the game good god I mean, uh, that's why he only plays. Why isn't he minutes. playing special teams, though? That's I mean, that's that's well, a yeah. Lot. He's got he's got four <laughs> seconds of power play today, forty eight on the shorthand. So why? Yeah. Uh, if this is confounded. a wasted year, if this is a, a you know tread water season, why why aren't you throwing him into the wolves and saying, let's see if you can carry twenty two, twenty four minutes a night with a couple minutes on special teams? Precisely. Why aren't you putting the future of your blue line? on the blue line, on the power play, instead of Francois Beauchemin. No, they're right. not giving it to Beauchemin. It looks like it's going to Wearcock or Tootin, depending on if you're talking about power play or penalty kill. Beauchemin's definitely on the PP. He's definitely on the PP. Yeah. I can. Uh, see, I mean, Wearcock belongs on the power play. Uh, Tootin, less so. <laughs> Tootin had a buck 12 on the shorthanded stick tonight. Him and Beauchemin. Okay. And Warecock and Zadarov had 48 seconds, so it looked like they lined up together. And I'm fine with that, but it, why aren't you giving Zadarov time on the power play? I mean, it I, just I, doesn't make any sense. What's the second power play unit right now, forward-wise? Scraps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Matthew, Shane, and everybody else? It's Boschman and Warecock. The, no, the, the second forward unit on the power play right now. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's Como like, and... Grigorenko and Mitchell, Borks, isn't he? Bork maybe. Uh, Duchesne's on the first unit now. Oh, is he? He well, bounces sometimes. He's on the first. Sometimes he's not. Well, they. Need, I mean, they usually they've been stacking it lately. They 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 put everybody good out on the first unit, and then they you know they come in with <clears throat> not so great guys. So are they running four forwards on the first unit and Barry? Iggy. Yeah, yeah Iggy's on the point, which is. Dumb as all that. <laughs> well, so hey, it worked. It's yeah. Mac, Duchesne, Landy, Iggy, and Barry. Yep. God, that's a shit show. Sometimes yeah, it, should be, it should be Mac, Duchesne, Rantanen, Barry, and Zadarov. That'd be cool. Sometimes yeah. it's McKinnon, Duchesne, Landeskog, Rantanen, but it's usually, again, that fourth forward. 
just throw a Ginla on the second unit, give him his token two shots. That's all he's out there to do is get two shots a night. Yeah, I've always been fine with the Ginla being on the second unit because as the Avalanche can't put anything else out anyway. <laughs> Might right. as well give the guy you can make a couple of those when he feels like it. They just have to quit, and this applies to 5-on-5, five five too. They just have to quit making everything run through the blue line. You don't have great scorers back there, and the league in general is too good at blocking shots for that to work anyway. And strangely yeah. enough, Zadorov probably has the most potential, <laughs> yeah. and he's not taking any shots from the blue line. He's not getting yeah. the minutes. He's not getting the opportunities. Uh, he's well, and then we, in he, theory, bring in Jelena to be a second power play quarterback. Right. With He's his 13 minutes of even strength play. and goose eggs on special teams tonight. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's got a great shot. Aziz got a great shot. I, I've seen Miko at the point down in the AHL. He's got a fantastic shot from the point. Um, you know, that's yet to see. Like, Barry really doesn't have a good shot from the point. But uh, Barry holds the line better than anyone else that's out there right now. So he can. Yeah. If he than, keeps the play alive, that's better than. Some of the other options. Yeah, I mean, they play a one-three-one now, and it—I mean, I, I guess that's better than what they've been doing over the past few years. It's just taking a while to sink into everybody, but um, I don't know. It's just, I, I there's so many things I don't like about what they're doing on the PP. Well, I'm just looking at—I'm catching up because I didn't watch today, but it looked like somebody's seeing some things because Landeskog and Rantanen were up north of three minutes with McKinnon. Mm-hmm. And then your second group of guys, from a time standpoint, was Duchesne, Aginla, and Como. Oh, God. <laughs> Como was on the second unit. And I think I think Smooth I mean, Johnny got some time, too. Every once in a nope. while, Coach Ben. Johnny had get... no time today. Really? Yeah, not today, on but special teams. He every was, once in a while, he's though. The, the only guy who had less time on ice than him tonight was the Highlander. Every once in a while, you'll see Coach Bender get really upset with his forwards, and his first power play unit in, late in the game will be Mitchell and Aginla and Como, plus two. So now he's just wanting to piss off the fans, too? I mean, what's the logic there? Don't know. Mitchell's your face-off guy. <laughs> you have to bev on the ice. He wins face-offs, right? Every does. coach does this message-sending thing every once in a while where they just say, all right, top guys, you're not going tonight, then you're just not going to go. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, a couple weekends ago, the, the Rampage gave up two uh, shorthanded goals in one period, and then by the third period, uh, Veyu is putting the fourth line out there on the power play. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. Hey, let's hey, uh, talk a Guess who led Rampage. all forwards in ice time tonight? Ooh. I did. No. Uh, Just guess. Don't look. Guess. Who, who led all forwards in ice time tonight? Who did I see a ton of? Probably Soderberg. No. Not even close. Nope. They, they played that fourth a lot in the third. Mika Rantanen. That, that would have been... I, I couldn't remember to seeing anybody, which was telling me it was probably Miko. 19-22. He's got two more seconds than Duchesne. Wow. So we're going to ride our rookie into the dirt. Yep. Well, when, when he option. can't take it anymore, he'll fall down, and that'll be that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he has a built-in release valve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, but uh, speaking of Rampage, there's uh, a bunch of guys who came back this week that could maybe eventually help. And yeah. also speaking of Rampage, they reacquired Gus Young today for absolutely nothing, future considerations. Actually, uh-huh. it, there's, there's a story behind that that I, I'm kind of making up, but it makes sense. <laughs> Last year, they traded my favorite guy of all time, Hubert Labrie, to the Chicago Wolves for future considerations or nothing, however you want to look at it. And... <clears throat> This may have been the future considerations because hmm. they, they got Gus Young from the Wolves. Yeah, Gus Young, you'll remember, of course, is a former Avalanche prospect. He played for Yale? Yep. It, Seventh it, round draft pick, I think. Something like that. That was fine. We all watched him in the Frozen Fury one year, or Frozen Fury, Frozen Four one year, and thought, hey, this guy looks decent enough. And then he didn't get a contract. <laughs> and he's not been that great. I mean, he's, he's a good, he's a, he's a, Solid AHL defenseman. Well, why did they acquire an AHL defenseman right now if not to uh, shore up a spot that, you know, maybe a Chris Begraw won't be taking anymore? Well, that's the thing. You know, that gives them kind of 10 defensemen once Begraw and, and Matt Clark, who's been skating this week. Right. Back. Yeah, we found one team at. Um, so th- I, I don't, there's there's some like Mason Gertzen got hurt the other day that might be part of it. Um, we don't know what's up with Mason, so that that could be it. They might want to get rid of my my favorite player in the whole world this year, Matt Lashoff. Um, but it, you know, my, wait, Matt my, Lashoff is a defenseman. Yeah. Okay. You know his country albums. No, I was like for some reason I was thinking of a goalie named Lashoff. No, he, he's a country singer. He Maybe makes, you're thinking of Zatkoff. I'm thinking of Zatkoff. That's what yeah, I'm I'd love to have Zatkoff, but no. Um, but, you know, the, the conspiracy theorist slash hopeful abs fan in me wants to think that they're shoring up the defense because there might be some changes coming at, at the Colorado level. Like a Duncan Siemens as opposed to Jelena. <laughs> Yeah, Pierce I mean, Begra as opposed to Francois Beauchemin. I mean, yeah, they, yep. they can call up a guy completely free of penalty. I mean, there's a spot for him. And right. Jelena's they already cut. Place right? him down there. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to leave San Antonio with four or five defensemen. So, acquiring Gus Young, and it's not. You know, it's like if if Mason was hurt, they'd probably get a PTO. Um, so the fact that they got somebody who's going to be with the team through the end of the year. Um, means that they're preparing to have that spot, vac- you know, a spot vacated. Well, so, but if if Quiron Gus Young was basically just cashing in a coupon that hadn't expired yet, that's what I mean, you that, describe I, future I, I, considerations as. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, again, this isn't you know, this isn't a move that you make just sort of for a couple of weeks. This is you know, they they think they need a guy for the rest of the year. So something's up. Yeah, that says to me that, you know, again, if you want to be really hopeful about it, that someone's going to be going north in a while. Who would I mean, that uh, person be, do you think? Beegrass is supposed to start skating tomorrow. He's already been skating. It's, he's oh, been sorry. skating in a Practicing. non-contact. Um, so we'll, we'll see whether he, you know, starts playing with, with full equipment and stuff like that. Um, what was his injury? I, I can't remember. We'll never Nobody know. <laughs> Mysterious. Do we know if it was... LBI or UBI or nope. they, they <laughs> BI. Have Just BI. There was speculation that he'd had a concussion, and then there was speculation that he'd actually had his right hand amputated. So I mean, yep. we don't know. <laughs> yeah, both of those still, things may have been said on this show, but I still default to pregnancy. 
Yep. Mm. It's it, it's a it's a tough call, but I don't know if he'll be playing like uh, they're playing Texas Wednesday and Thursday. You know that, that that might be a little early, but I don't know. Um, but I I think he'll be back early in the year for sure. So with with B. Gras still recovering from injury, that leaves Duncan and Duncan. Yeah. And and the thing is, is B. Gras didn't really play that well before he got injured. So I I mean I I would think if they're thinking of bringing him up, it's going to be like a month before they even think about it. So yeah, if they're thinking about bringing someone up soon, first of all, they have to get rid of somebody. At the NHL level, <clears throat> like I don't think they're going to send um, somebody down that's up there currently. No, they don't. Though they've got uh, they they have an open roster spot, don't they? They do, but I mean, you're not going to bring up a guy from the AHL to be, you know, to, to make a, a seven a, to make an eighth defenseman. Um, you know, I, oh. I think that's a move you make after you get rid of someone. So I think that they, you know, I think they're thinking in January when trade market kind of opens up that. You know, they might be making some moves. I mean, you could put Jelena on the bench and no one would even notice at this point. I mean, he could be your eighth defenseman. Easy. Yeah, but, I mean, why would you want to do that? I don't would, know. Wouldn't you just want to trade the guy? You know? Yeah. you got to find somebody <laughs> to take him first. He's, right? he's just right. been such a non-factor that, like, you could say he's the eighth defenseman now and I'd believe you. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's playing. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of uh, watching some Rampage stuff earlier and it looks like, Cody Corbett looks like he may be a forward. He was. He went back to playing defense. Um, Did he? Yeah. Oh. He was actually really good. I, I think he's in the last year of his ELC. Um, mm. He's not very good defensively. He's got a really good shot, and you know he skates pretty well. I, I you know, I, I would seriously consider moving to wing if I were him. I think there's probably a better chance of him extending his pro career if he does that. But. Um, you know that's that's something down the road. Uh, the big news was last night that the Rampage got Jim O'Brien and JT Comfer back, and those guys have been out for quite a while. Comfer uh, immediately scored two points, did he not? He sure did. Um, uh, one goal, one assist. Yeah, he he and Greer both had a goal and an assist, and you know what? One of them was both both were right next to each other when they happened. One was a, a two-on-one, and the other was a, a scrum in front of the net. But it having those two centers back just completely changed the whole team. I mean, hmm. they, they've had no centers for so long. And, you know, it's like Julian Nantel, you know, he's he's a good prospect. He's not really the greatest center in the world, and he should not be centering your first line. So In his first year, bro. Exactly. So getting Jim O'Brien, who's, you know, he's, he's a – an all-star in the AHL, you know, just a, a really good two-way center. Having him on the top line makes the, the two vets on his sides, Joe Whitney and Mike Sislo, makes them much better. And the way that Comfort Greer and Grimaldi play together is just fantastic to watch. So it's like, I don't know, it, it, two guys just made a huge difference in the whole lineup. Yeah, so Avalanche fans, you have reinforcements on the way. Might not yeah. be this year, but... You know, those are two players that are really going to make a difference in the bottom six at minimum next year. And that really does just bring us to an important <coughs> point for the for the big club, though, which is what do we do with the rest of this season? I mean, do we continue uh, to play it out with what we got? Do we try to make some space up top for, for guys like Greer and Comfer? I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, I you've got to start you, diminishing you, your, you know, your Beauchemins. You've got to start diminishing your Aginlas. I mean... 
the, this is not what we should be doing with our roster right now when clearly the season is not headed toward the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you can't you can't just sort of like get rid of one guy and bring up a bunch of prospects. I mean, they need to make some big changes. If 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 I, I don't see the point in bringing up like one or two guys. Like if you're going to bring up one or two guys, like bring up um, bring up Gabe Bork, you know, something like that. But it, if you can make space for an entire line to come up, or you know, close to it, so you can bring up Greer Comfer and, and Rocco. Um, you know, then you do something like that, but you know, that, that requires, you know, really performing some surgery on, on the avalanche as far as getting rid of some, some guys that aren't working out. Oh, so we talking fire sale? Well, I mean, I think you get rid of anyone you can, <laughs> you know, it's tough to, I mean, it's like Jelen has queer, cleared waivers. Nobody's going to want to trade for him. You know, Mitchell's cleared waivers. Nobody's going to want him. I don't know what you do with those guys. Yeah, so, I mean, some of the stuff that, that Avalanche fans want to trade is like that yeah. same situation. Like, I mean, you got to have a taker. Exactly. Um, but, I, but I mean, that also some of the trades that we want to make are long-term, not at all necessary. I mean, you're, you're trying to get rid of guys that are going to get rid of themselves in the summer. Right. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think it's funny that, that people think that Aginla is going to get you know, a nice haul. Um, nice you know, haul? Think, <laughs> and that yeah. somebody will take him? If, God, if, that'd if, be a nice haul. If, if we got a sixth round back for him, I'd be like, wow. But it's funny, you know, I listen to this serious uh, NHL radio and, and you hear people speculate like, oh, it'd be great if, you know, there was a bidding war between Edmonton and Calgary for for Ginless services or something like that. I'm just laughing. I'm like, you know, if that happens, that'd be the best thing ever. But I mean, getting <laughs> what year two of a seconds for Jerome Ginla when he's scored like three goals all year. I mean, but he scored one tonight. He's heating up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's a slow starter. Remember? Yeah. yeah. But it's like, who else can you get rid of? I mean, it's December. Yeah. <laughs> I th- yes. That's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't get rid of Boschman. I mean, no one's going to take that contract. Um, you know, that's that that has buyout written all over it at the end of the year. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's no one's, at this no point. one's taking Tootin off our hands. No one's taking the. I, would anybody look at Como or Bork? Como, sure. Oh, I Bork? think Com- I think Como and Bo- I think Bork's going to actually get us a second or something like that. I mean, he's he doesn't cost anything. He could fit yeah. under everybody's cap. Depends on how long he's going to shoot fifty percent, though. <laughs> no, hey, we signed Joe Colburn. Tip, yeah. And I think I, I don't think they want to get rid of Tootin, but I think he's actually the the defenseman that that people would would really look at. Yeah, I mean, it's just a year contract, so I mean, and he's anything you can get from him, it's it's perfect. Take yeah. your asset and run. Yeah. Exactly. So, if they get a, a third or a fourth for Tootin, and you know, maybe maybe take a, a million back in, in salary. Um. But yeah. we're still talking about deck chairs here. Or is the core untouchable, or is that part of the fire sale that we need to start talking about? I don't. I, I mean, until you improve the supporting cast, I think it'd be foolish to to get rid of one of the core. I mean, you know, we still too, but there's a growing uh, groundswell of bitchiness. Of course, but do you think Joe cares? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, Duchesne's on pace for like seventy points right now. I mean, yeah. that's the player you want to get rid of. No, that's the last guy I want to get rid of, but apparently he's the first guy 90% of the people not going to the can want to get rid of. 
I mean, if someone wants to drive a dump truck load full of prospects and picks up on Joe's front lawn for one of those guys, yeah, he's going to listen. But I don't think he's actively trying to get rid of any of them. I mean, no, maybe you try to get away. rid of Farley. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, not this year. I'm looking at Varley and Barry as the two highest candidates from a likelihood standpoint of getting shopped before free agency opens this summer. Yeah, I'm sure if they, you know, if there's interest, I think if you could trade Varley and pick up somebody that makes three million instead of six million, and can do about the same job, and you know maybe with a better defense, you know Pickard goes back to looking like he did last year. Well, I mean, if he doesn't get traded, he's getting thrown on the expansion pile too. Yeah, I mean, uh, which at this point you hope they take him, but. That's that's the I issue. Don't. If you're uh, if you're Vegas, you look at the Avalanche people who are going to be available for the expansion draft, and you say, "Do we have to?" Yeah, <laughs> it's like the Nordiques in 1990. We don't want any of your players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just I I think it's you know yeah I know Barry had a terrible night and he's been playing kind of bad all year. I mean, yeah, it's it's you know. It's frustrating as a fan to look at that, but you don't want to look at trading. Yep. I think we've all been in agreement here that Tyson Berry is a good hockey player, and he should be, uh, she should appear as a good hockey player on television every night. And it's confounding to each and every one of us why he's not. And I, I, I don't see how that can persist. He's too good. Yeah, and even if you don't think he's that good, he's still the third leading scorer on the team. I mean, you, you know, it's right. like you toss that away. You're 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 like, okay, you know, who's going to replace that? Is Jelena? Really? That's, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. sneaky. How'd that happen? I, I think it's fourth actually. Um, tied for third. Fourth, tied for no. third with Rantman. Well, someone have a look at this. Yeah. Um, no, it's like yeah, he's he's the sneakiest third scorer on the team you can find. Two goals, eleven assists. The bar is pretty low. I mean, that, yes, that's, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's Duchesne and literally everybody else. There's, well, McKinnon's tied in point. Or no, I'm sorry. After tonight, he's a point behind. Okay, Duchesne's at 22. Right. He, McKinnon's he 21. Yeah, I forgot about that. So, yeah, Tyson it, Berry. It, has... There's a big gap between the top two guys and the rest of the team. They're not. There's not a lot of load sharing going on. Yeah, you got 14 points from Matt Duchesne. You got 11 from Nathan McKinnon. And then you've got eight from Tyson Berry, seven of which are primary. Wow. At least I think that's all situations. I think that didn't need a reload. Yeah. Wouldn't Randy be ahead of him? Oh, that's a no. five five. Okay, that, that's the problem. That was that was only five on five. I didn't reload. Yeah, she's to say. Okay, so you got twenty one from McKinnon and Duchesne, and then Renee Bork has twelve. And they're all primary, shockingly enough. Hmm. Tyson Berry thirteen. Four secondary assists. I mean, the one guy we haven't talked about right now that people are throwing around too is Landeskog, and I think people are still crazy to get yeah even entertain that idea. Yep, it's so um, obvious that the team needed what he brings when he was gone. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike, do you have a different opinion on that? I've wavered. I mean, last year I was firmly in the we can't trade Barry because defensemen with his skill set don't come along that often. Um, where you have some measure of cost control. He's made me want to vomit my mouth a few times this season with his play, so I'm trending the other way. But with Landis Skog, it's always been, you know, statistically it's hard to see it sometimes, but when you watch the games and you understand the importance of possession in the modern NHL and guys that drive play 
Landeskog is by far the best guy on our team at doing that on a consistent basis. Right. It's not yeah. even close, too. It's not yeah. even close. I mean, Rantanen maybe could take that spot from him in a year or two, but that's that's still a lot of imaginary awesomeness on his part. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Duchesne and McKinnon are great, great NHL guys, and but they are – it's a different kind of game is what's going on behind, you know, between Landeskog's ears. So I just don't see you can get rid of it. I mean, if people want to hindsight the loss of what Stasby and uh, O'Reilly brought to the game from an intangible standpoint in the way they controlled games and impacted games, yeah, that's 100% legit. But you can't then say, and we should trade Landeskog. <laughs> exactly. That is a great point. That is great point. The, you can't say we suck because we let these two guys go. So let's get rid of the only other guy on the team with that skill set. That makes literally <laughs> me want to punch a baby. That's just the logic train there is crashing through multiple stations. Yeah, you can punch a Kizla, punch a Dater, you know, like one of those things, but don't punch a baby. Yeah, Sometimes well. those guys, I'm not going to finish that. <laughs> yeah. you, guys, you guys can can finish that out in your own head, and then you said it, and I didn't. yeah we've had some sports writing in the state of colorado that has not been uh constructive when considering the future of the avalanche there's not a lot of uh, sports journalism there's not a lot of sports reporting there's a lot of sports columns yeah sports columns make me want to join mike in the baby punching (laughs) yeah i mean it's just hard because they can't right for an audience that understands this long-term rebuild. I mean, they're not doing analysis on an in-depth level. They can't explain these things the way they need to be. So you have to be reactionary. And uh, unfortunately, they're reacting in a way that I think is unhealthy for the fan base because right now people just aren't seeing the real problems with this team, which is Blake Como with seven points, Joe Colburn with four, you know, John Mitchell with one freaking point in 24 games. Joe, I mean, Joe Colborn still has four points after getting a hat trick on opening night. Opening night. <laughs> John yeah. Mitchell, the third best center on the team, one point. In a calendar year. <laughs> in, a calendar, season, yeah. in a calendar year. In a calendar year. He is running out of days to make a dent in that joke, honestly. <laughs> he is. So, I mean, when, when we're tra- you, we can talk about deck chairs all we want, but what it comes down to is the core has no help. Right. Yeah. Carl Schreiber's being paid $5 million, and he has nine points in 29 games. Carl, what the hell happened to you? Yeah, that's yeah. the big one. I mean, that's the one that sticks out, you know, just horribly. I mean, we all kind of seen a gradual backslide of John Mitchell's contributions, but he still was contributing. Now it's nothing. Yeah. But Soderberg went from, man, this was a great point signing to – what the fuck? <laughs> just, there's no. I mean, it is. It is a dumpster fire every time Soderbergh's on the ice. I don't get it. He's lost basic skills, basic play reading. His give a fuck level is ridiculously low. I mean, I just. Did someone get the other eye? Is that the problem? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like Mitchell, who we saw his his, his skill set deteriorate with age and major major injuries that he's had. I mean, it's with, with the Soderbergh, it was on, off. Yeah, the, the flip of the switch with Soderbergh is jarring. You know what? I, that's got to be, you know, we've mentioned a lot of things about coaching today. We haven't mentioned player relationship 
that aspect of it. I think Soderbergh really wanted to play for Patrick Waugh. I think that he no longer cares to be here as much as he did previously. Oh, he's going to love San Antonio. <laughs> Making five million bucks a year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, going back to the Landeskog conversation, his name came up this week in a bunch of threads talking about if you were going to go and do something major this season, that you could get a really good return for him. But I still think that the loss, you can't offset that loss. No. I mean, no. if you that would be one of the most painful trades you could make. That's, that's Joe throwing his hands up to the fan base and saying, it's at least two to three more years of this shit. Right. Uh, it's at a position of need too, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to trade your best wing at. You don't have any wings. Well, I mean, he's going to. The way to spin that would be that Duchesne would is your best wing, but the he's not. You would you 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 ship Landeskog, <laughs> and you're going to watch Matt Duchesne walk out the door as soon as he possibly can. There, yeah. there's just no way you burn that bridge and save. Duchesne and you're probably going to be getting peanuts for a return on Eric Johnson at some point as a result because his give a shit level will go low I well, mean that the psychological pretty... aspects of trading Gabe Landeskog for the guys that know what's going on in that room yeah. would be brutal and, and good luck re-signing any UFAs or attracting any UFAs who are looking at you going mm, maybe make the playoffs by 2020 yeah you can't trade your captain I mean that's just no that's admitting a really really big mistake yeah so. Now, actually, you mentioned a name there that I've thought, like, just in my head, and I haven't mentioned it out loud yet, so bear with me, but is Eric Johnson that type of player that you trade, just given his age? That yes. He's going to be in his later 20s. He doesn't necessarily line up age-wise with the core of the team. And he does, but with get... the, the developmental curve, he's not necessarily on the same – the bell curve's got a different shape to it for him, but – I think what you lose when you trade Johnson, you won't get back for him. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, he's he's fairly underappreciated as far as number one Ds in the league go. Um, and his injury history doesn't help. But when he is healthy, uh, he's by far the best defenseman on the team and will be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, but, um, you know, do we still think that in three years? I mean, you cross that bridge when you come to it. I mean, yeah. if, if if Z takes that over, that's great. You know? Yeah, or you get you get a Bigras, Siemens, somebody can step in and be a legitimate second-pair guy who can take minutes away to help control Eric Johnson's eventual decline. I mean, they literally have no parachute for the Eric Johnson situation right now other than know. hope to God Zadarov works out. Just well, as far as getting – peak value for somebody and getting you know a big return at the right time i mean he might be that type of player that could shore up a lot of needs you get a defenseman with his kind of ability level that's you know 20 years old rather you know than him being what 28 i mean who's gonna make a trade like that though i don't know you'd have to fatten that deal up on this end and we're not in a we don't have a position of strength anywhere to deal multiple pieces to fill one hole I mean, I've been, I've been saying this for a while now. You, I, I think the Avs really need to draft a defenseman this year that will replace Eric Johnson in three years. Yeah. And You'd make the argument that that was supposed to have been last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you didn't fall to us. But yeah. 
Oh, well. But, but it's going to be but, uh, Lilligren this year. You know, the Swede. He could step in in one year. Yeah, but he's not – I don't think he's – I don't think he's a number one guy. No? No. I, I mean, I think – I think honestly, wherever the Avs end up, I mean, if they're if – they're, if they get the number one pick, they have to take, you know, the best player available. Right now that looks like Patrick. Um, but I, I'm just looking at it like the Avs are – so unlucky right now. Why would they get the first pick? Oh, they they wouldn't lose. They wouldn't win the lottery. They would definitely not no. win the lottery. Um, I mean, they want. They already want to be Vegas, once. right? <laughs> yeah. That, what a rip I, that would be. Can you imagine the the riot around the league if Vegas won the expansion draft lottery, <laughs> or, or the lottery for the entry draft after the expansion draft? I mean, right. <laughs> but we're we're yeah. getting a little bit long here. Um, so let's go ahead and look at the next. Uh, Next couple of weeks of games, because we'll be off next week for the holiday weekend, since the holiday actually does fall on the weekend this time. Um, on Tuesday, the Avs travel to Minnesota for a 6 o'clock Mountain start on altitude to the Ocho. Then it's a Thursday home game with Toronto at 7 Mountain, and then they're on the road the next day, Friday, versus the Blackhawks at 6.30 Mountain start for that one. The following week, Colorado take on Calgary at home, and Dallas on, on the road. And back at home on New Year's Eve against the Rangers. <sighs> Seven losses. Uh, Is that possible? Can one, we lose uh, two, two games? Three, four. Can we have eight losses? Five, six. Would this be the first time in history the NHL awarded teams negative standing points? Because... <laughs> well, if, points. if they didn't for the Montreal game, then I, I don't think they can. Yeah. I think yeah, a- I'm I'm with the the rest of you guys. We talked about it before. I don't see I don't see any W's or even maybe happy coincidence lucky bounce W's in our future. I think Dallas and Calgary are winnable. The rest are if we do win, it's pure luck. I yep. think Dallas is the most likely to be fun. Yeah, uh, plus with, it's, with plus it's to Calgary. It it's is not away. a home game. Yeah. <laughs> I think Calgary could be the first home game they win in a while. Yeah. I don't know. Eric or uh, Chris Johnson's been pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, Calgary have been good. But they've already beat Toronto, so they're not going to do that again. Yep. <laughs> That's a loss for sure. Um, they're probably not going to beat the Rangers. We're not going to get that, like, fun Chicago game where everybody scores or shoots 50 times That's and average win three seasons. Yeah. Is Crow going to be back there? I wonder. Mm. If it's Darling, who knows? He's been playing well, of course, but... Yeah, who knows? My uh, chair has suddenly decided to join the show. This is the squeakiest it's been in a while. <laughs> Not even moving. <laughs> it's just squawking. Just so no one wants to boldly predict a bunch of wins this this time, eh? I think beyond that. I, I'm going to pick Calgary and Dallas, and I think we might be, beat win at Minnesota. Because that would just really piss all of them off. The the team do get up for games against Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and Dallas, throw out the records when these two clubs meet. Dallas is just a nice little mess to try to predict. So. Yeah, but they're starting to trend toward healthy, aren't they, Dallas? Is that what happened? They stole health from us. Maybe that's what it is. That, maybe that's mm. when, when Sagan broke Johnson's. Maybe that's what happened. They just stole the health from us. Really suspect defense, though. 
Yeah, but it's not like there's anybody on our blue line is going to stop them from scoring 12. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just won't help that game. <laughs> Dude, you know, my, that's the one that's on my birthday, actually. So, so yeah. So there you go. Do it for Mike. Yeah. Win one for the Gipper. I had a chance to go to that game and I laughed at the guy and walked away. That's <laughs> 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 so what it's come down to. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, that, that's there's the fans are tooting out all over the place and, and who can blame them? The team have won like two games in the last month, so Oh well, yeah, and you know, even bad teams still win half of them at home. And this team isn't doing that. That's the like, problem. They're just catastrophically the worst team in the league at home. It's not even close. It's, it's a it giant up. fuck you to the fans. That's what they're doing. It's like there's the there's no other explanation. They've decided they don't want to win at home. And it, and we can't even say it's the goal song anymore because Duchesne has just started scoring at home too. It can't be that. So this is where we say Duchesne's obviously not on the same page as the rest of the team. Yeah. Right. Crazy. There you go. He's all in it for himself. Yep. Yeah. Me, me, me. Noted selfish player, Matt Duchesne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scoring all those points for himself and not in this team's win column. <laughs> yep. Uh, hey, uh, make sure to watch the uh, World Junior Championships. Got Tyson Jost playing for Team Canada. Maybe Adam Werner. Yeah, Maybe Tyson, Adam Werner. Tyson Jost is kind of the, the shining future hope of the Avalanche right now. So He's we'll, good. Uh, We'll see what he can bring for Team Canada, and uh, World Juniors are always fun to watch. Where are they this year? Canada, both Montreal and Toronto. Yes, I love when they're in North America because I can watch them. So, uh, however Tyson Joes performs at the uh, World Junior Championships, you could expect to find out here. Uh, Mile High Hockey will be keeping an eye on that, and uh, as will the show once uh, once we return in the new year. Um, <coughs> you can follow <laughs> Excuse me, follow the show on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash mahihockeypodcast, mixcloud.com slash mahihockeypodcast, your favorite RSS catcher, iTunes. You can probably reach out into the air and just pull us out of the sky. Um, you can follow the, follow the, uh, the site at mahihockey.com, twitter.com, we are mahihockey there, facebook.com slash mahihockey, and uh, try to stay warm. Everybody's freezing right now. Just try to keep with it for now. So, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? Anything but the avalanche? <laughs> we should totally just fucking gaslight everybody and just not talk about the avalanche. <laughs> Who makes it 45 minutes in hoping we actually get to content. Hey, I saw Star Wars this week. You know? Yeah, me too. Hell yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm supposed to decide on whether or not my kids can see it or not. Hmm. hmm. What's, What's the rating? It's 13, but it's a it's a hard conversation on... Spoiler edit. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to yeah. say, did, did anybody not see this? Are we going to ruin it? I thought George Lucas was supposed to appeal to kids so he makes more money. Uh, this George was the Lucas least Disney this movie I've ever seen. This, this was yeah. a pretty dark Disney film. <laughs> well, yeah, this being America, reason- I don't doubt that there'll be a lot of three- and four-year-olds at this movie theater. But oh, I sat next to a couple. Yeah. yeah. They were pretty I young. couldn't. I went to opening night. All the seats were taken by guys in uh, 
X-wing pilot costume. And <laughs> like the, the, best. the fattest Darth Vader I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> All right, I gotta take the quiz. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs>